What is going on, sports fans, and welcome back to another edition of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast, Season 3, Episode 12, and we've got a jam-packed show for you today. The Olympics are in full swing. I'll talk to you about how the USA is doing, which athletes have stood out to me so far from Tokyo, and much, much more. The MLB season coming right to the trade deadline on Saturday. I'll tell you what trades have already been made and which star players are on the move. And, of course, the NBA draft takes place tonight. Thursday, July 29th, and there are already a ton of trades happening, some crazy ones, which is why I decided to record this podcast episode today instead of tomorrow. And the Cleveland baseball team chose their new name. I'll react to that as well. And NFL training camp started as well. So like I said, jam-packed show. But before we get to all of that in this fun-filled sports hour, this episode, as always, is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make podcast creation tools, editing tools, Everything you need to make your very own podcast, Anchor, go to the Anchor app in the App Store, download it for free, or go to anchor.fm online to start your very own podcast today. Anchor is the reason this podcast is possible, so just a shout out to Anchor. You're going to hear an ad from them in the middle of this episode. Today is Thursday, July 29th. Let's go. What is going on, sports fans, and welcome back to Season 3, Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. And I had a whole outline for this episode ready to go. I was going to start talking about the Olympics because the Olympics are on. They're on every day. It was probably the most relevant sports topic going into the episode recording. And then about five minutes ago, something happened that made me reverse the the whole trajectory of this episode because... You know, you can never sleep in sports, but especially in the NBA. There's always something going on around the NBA. And that's why the NBA, in my opinion, is the most entertaining sports league in terms of offseason and player movement. And the players have all the power in the NBA. They're, they're at, they ask for trades. They sign max deals. They they recruit other players to their team. And they're, like I, I listed to you all the sports going on before we started this episode. The MLB trade deadline, the NFL training camps, the Olympics. Like, there's so much going on. But the NBA, I I get that that the draft is happening today, but we're not even going to talk about the draft to start this episode. The NBA is so good drawing interest and making the sports world focus on them that we are starting the show with that today. And that is because Russell Westbrook... The 2017 league MVP, Mr. Triple-Double himself, is going to be a Los Angeles Laker. All signs are pointing to Russell Westbrook getting a trade from the Wizards and joining the Los Angeles Lakers. Shams tweeted it. He said the Lakers and Wizards are discussing a trade that would send Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and the number 22 pick in tonight's draft to the Washington Wizards 
for Russell Westbrook. And just wow. That's all I can say about this. Russell Westbrook and is supposedly going to join the Los Angeles Lakers to form a big three with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And this just shows that the Lakers are capitalizing on their championship window. They still have LeBron James, but he is 36 years old. He's going into his 20th season in the NBA, 19th season in the NBA, I think, and into his age 37 season. So we don't know how long LeBron's window is going to be open. And when LeBron's window closes, you would have to think that the Lakers' window closes as well. But that's why the Lakers made this move. That's why GM Rob Palenka made this move. They are all in right now, and that... That's the news from Shams right now. But there are some conflicting reports out there from Woj. Because Woj, like five minutes, Adrian Wojnarowski, of course, is Woj. Five minutes before this tweet was tweeted out by Shams, Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted, with Montrez Harrell opting into his player option, the Lakers are able to move toward completing a deal to acquire Kings guard Buddy Heald for forward Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. So either way, the Lakers are getting a third star. They're getting a third star, but the two best NBA reporters, Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams, are reporting two different things right now. So... I think Westbrook is going to the LA. LA. Westbrook has become the Lakers' primary focus, and, and it would give them a third star alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And wow, what a trade for the Lakers if they are able to pull this off. Russell Westbrook would be obviously the third option on this team, but he would be able to facilitate even more. Passing is an underrated part of his game. He's really athletic. He's a superstar. He's played on a team before where he has been the second or third option. He played with Russ in Houston. He played with Kevin Durant all those years in OKC. It seemed to work out there. And he was the second option, some would argue, this year to Bradley. Bradley. Yeah, Bradley Beal. I almost said Bradley Heald because I had Buddy Heald on my mind. But that's what's going on in the NBA. Russell Westbrook is going to be a Los Angeles Laker. And this just shows that LeBron, the Lakers, do not mess around and there it is. Adrian Wojnarowski just tweeted the Lakers are near near to a deal to acquire Washington's Russell Westbrook for Kuzma, Harrell, KCP, and the first-round pick. So now it's confirmed with Woj and Shams both tweeting it. It is confirmed. Russell Westbrook will be in the purple and gold next season. And I'm, I know Giannis is returning to the Bucks. I know Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden will be healthy in Brooklyn. But you have to think. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and now Russell Westbrook, you have to think that team is the favorite to win the 2022 NBA Finals. What a day in the NBA. The draft is tonight. We're just going to keep it on the NBA for the first part of this episode. They just got... So the Lakers, within the last hour, thought they were getting a third star in Buddy Heald. And then the Kings... What are the Kings... The Kings... First of all, what are the Kings doing? They're going to trade one of their best players for Kuzma and Montrezl Harrell. Stop it. Stop it. At least the Wizards got KCP and a draft pick out of it. And the Wizards weren't going anywhere. You can argue neither were the Kings. But the Lakers, they had that trade for, for Buddy Heald. 
But th- then they found out they could trade Kuzma, KCP, Montrezl Harrell, and a first-round pick for Russell Westbrook. They're going to do that every day of the week. So LeBron gets another, gets some more help, and the Lakers automatically vault themselves into tight being title favorites next season. Wow. That's all I can say right now is wow, wow, wow. Some more trades happening around the NBA today. Not as high profile as that one that, that forms a big three with LeBron, but there it, it's worth noting. The Nets have traded Landry Shamit to the Suns, so the Suns get another playmaker. And the Nets will be getting back Javon Carter and the 29th pick in tonight's draft, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. So that's what's going on around the NBA. Those are the two main trades. And so the Lakers are the big winners. And Buddy Heald, in my opinion, is the big loser. He thought he was going to L.A. to play with LeBron. And it turns out he suck, he's stuck in Sacramento. So that's what's going on around the NBA. Russell Westbrook to the Lakers. What what a trade to kind of fl- get the juices flowing to start this episode. Wow. It made me change up the whole rotation of the show. That's how big of a move it was. Russell Westbrook compliments LeBron and Anthony Davis perfectly. Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook is a playmaking, scoring point guard that is a great facilitator as well. He can be the first option. He can also be the third option. He can take that step back. It gives Anthony Davis a point guard, probably the best point guard Anthony Davis has ever played with. It gives LeBron the opportunity to either move back to small forward or to be the point guard and have Russ play more of a two position. Either way, the Lakers have two bona fide facilitating stars in LeBron and Russell Westbrook, two MVPs, and they also have one of the best big men in the game, Anthony Davis. And if they are healthy, this Russell Westbrook trade puts the Lakers once again on top of the mountain. All right, let's move to the NBA draft talk. Um, the NBA draft are the NBA draft will take place tonight. And we've got a lot to talk about, including what the Cavs are going to do with, with the third pick. But Adrian Wojnarowski has already reported what the Pistons are going to do with the first pick. The Detroit Pistons are going to take Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State with the first pick in tonight's NBA draft. Cade Cunningham, the 6'8 point guard for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. He's a good defender. He's he's really a really good playmaker. His stats at Oklahoma State last year, he averaged 20.1 points, 6.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and 43.8% from the field. I got to watch him play in March Madness primarily, but also saw him in a couple primetime games this year. I picked Oklahoma State to go to the Final Four because of how good I thought he was, and he is a really good player. Um, Cade Cunningham, a lot of people are calling him he's the best pr- Kendrick Perkins went on ESPN today and said Cade Cunningham is the best perimeter prospect since LeBron James. Jay Billis said that he's the best prospect he's seen in a while. So if you're the Detroit Pistons, you got to feel pretty good about adding that guy to your roster. Cade Cunningham will be the number one pick in the draft tonight. The number two pick will be Jalen Green. Jalen Green is was the number one recruit but he did not choose to go to college. Instead, he played a year in the G League for the G League Ignite. He's 6'6", 180, 180 pounds. Um, he is probably the most athletic player in this draft. 
I wanted the Cavs to draft him when I saw they got the third pick before I knew the um, Houston Rockets were going to take him at number two. But he is the highest upside player in this draft. He averaged 17 points, four rebounds, and three assists last season in the G League. Shoots 37% from three. He's an explosive athlete, a competent shooter, who has a chance to be a big-time scorer in the NBA for a decade plus. That's who's going second. And who's going third for the Cavs? I hope they take Evan Mobley from USC, the big man who averaged 16 points, nine rebounds, two assists, and shot 30% from three. He's a competent jump-shooting big man. People have called him Chris Bosh, but a little bit better on defense. And if that's the case, the Cavs should draft him right now. There should not even be a discussion about trading the pick. I saw Evan Mobley play, the first player ever to win Pac-12 Freshman of the Year and Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. He, The Cavs have the young talent in their backcourt with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, but Mobley could be the frontcourt star that puts the Cavs over the top with their young starting five of Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Mobley, and potentially Jared Allen. Mobley's a one-and-done center who is perfectly suited for the modern NBA. He's a true rim protector. He can guard in space. He can make plays off the bounce. He can shoot jumpers from the perimeter, and he can also pass out of double teams. He is a slam-dunk top-five pick, and he is going to be a superstar in the NBA. And the first superstar the Cleveland Cavaliers take have taken since Kyrie Irving in 2011. We'll go through the top 10, mock draft kind of, and then we will take a break, talk about the MLB trade deadline, NFL training camp, and the Olympics. But number four pick belongs to the Toronto Raptors. I think they're going to take Jalen Suggs, the point guard out of Gonzaga. 6'4", 205, averaged 14 points per game and five rebounds for the Bulldogs. The Raptors were big winners on the lottery night when they snuck into the top four. Their top-tier prospect that's going to fall into their lap is Jalen Suggs. He's a great competitor and a top-shelf athlete who's going to flourish playing next to Fred Van Fleet. He will become an all-star level level player in time if his three-point shot becomes just a little more reliable, but I have him going fourth to the Toronto Raptors. The fifth pick belongs to the Orlando Magic. I think they're going to take Scotty Barnes, the 6'8 forward out of Florida State. He averaged about 10 points for the Seminoles last season. The Magic right now are in a total rebuild and would be wise to select the prospect with the most potential to develop into a special player. I'm not so sure if that is Scotty Barnes, but all the intel and the reports in the recent days suggest that's who the Magic are going to take. Six, I think the Thunder are going to take Jonathan Kaminga from the Congo, who's 6'8", 205, averaged 15 points and seven rebounds last season. Oklahoma City's rebuild should have Sam Presti focusing on nothing but adding young prospects with high upsides and that's Jonathan Kaminga he's a big and versatile athletic wing player who'd be a steal at number six in the draft number seven I think the Warriors are going to take Moses Moody a shooting guard from Arkansas um He's going to be able to grow and develop. He's a one-and-done prospect who just turned 19, and he projects as a 3-and-D wing after shooting 36% from three while helping Arkansas advance to the Elite Eight. So I think the Warriors are going to take him at number eight. Uh, number seven, excuse me. The eighth pick belongs again to the Magic. I think the Magic will take James Booknight, the shooting guard from Connecticut. He's 6'5", 
65190 average 18 points and 6 rebounds for UConn last season. Um James Booknight makes sense for the Magic. He erased a lot of concerns about his low three-point percentage during the pre-draft process by burying shots from everywhere during the workouts. And then that brings us to the ninth pick. I think it will be Franz Wagner, the small forward from Michigan. He's 6'9", 220. The Kings finished with the worst defensive rating in the NBA this season, which which suggests they could use a prospect to add something on the end of the court. Wagner would likely do that. Um, I probably would take Wagner a little lower if I were the Kings, but he can develop into a good player, and that's why I think the Kings will take him at nine. Rounding out the top ten, I think the Grizzlies will take Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, the 6'7", small forward who averaged 18 points and five rebounds for Gonzaga. He made 44% of the six-and-a-half three-pointers he attempted per game last last season at Gonzaga. He's arguably the best shooter in this draft, which is why he'll likely be selected in the lottery despite some flaws. And I think he goes number 10 to the Grizzlies. So that is my NBA draft preview. The NBA draft is tonight at eight on ABC. And we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the NFL training camp, MLB trade deadline and Olympics talk. You won't want to miss that. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Real quick before we get to part two, I wanted to update you guys on two developing stories that I kind of mentioned in part two of the episode. So I just wanted to confirm those. This is going to air before part two, but it just let you just let you guys know I recorded it after part two. A little behind the scenes podcast magic here. But anyways, a little bit of time traveling, if you will. Texas and Oklahoma are officially joining the SEC. The SEC, the Southeastern Conference, has accepted Texas and Oklahoma into the conference following a vote by all the schools on Thursday. That means Texas and Oklahoma will be in the SEC come 2025 when their contracts with the Big 12 do indeed expire. So SEC is welcoming welcoming in Texas and Oklahoma to their conference with open arms with open arms come 2025. Another big, big news story that we did talk about a little bit. We touched on the Cubs trading some of their star players. One of those dominoes has fallen, per Jack Curry from Yes Network. The Yankees are moving closer to trading for Cubs first baseman Anthony Rizzo. It gives the Yankees stability at first place. First base, which they have not had since Luke Voigt has been on the injured list all season. I don't know what the return is to the Cubs yet, but Anthony Rizzo is a big, big bat. He's a left-handed hitter. He's a great defensive first baseman who has playoff experience. Slam dunk trade, in my opinion, for the Yankees. And I think the Yankees now, with the addition of Joey Gallo, with the addition of Anthony Rizzo, I don't think they're done. I think the Yankees have put themselves in a good position to compete for a wild card spot this season. Don't think they'll catch the Red Sox, but they will be in that mix for that second wild card, maybe that first wild card too. But that is what's going on. Two quick news story I just wanted to update you about. I don't know anything about Chris Bryant or any of the other Cubs players, but just wanted to let you know. So to recap. I do talk about this in part two, but I wanted to confirm it before you listen to part two, so don't mind me when I'm talking about it in part two of the episode. Anthony Rizzo officially traded from the Chicago Cubs to the New York Yankees, and Texas and Oklahoma will be joining the SEC when their contract with the Big 12 expires in 2025. And now, part two of Jack of All Trades.
Back to season three, episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. The MLB trade deadline is in full swing. It is on Saturday, July 31st, but there are a bunch of trades being made already. And let's go break through some of the biggest ones. And the biggest name off the board, we think, though it hasn't been finalized by either team, but it's looking that way, is Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, is tweeting the Padres are close to acquiring Washington Nationals Cy Young Award winner Max Scherzer. And this would be a huge addition for the Padres, pairing Max Scherzer with a starting rotation that already includes Cy Young winner Blake Snell, that already includes Hugh Darvish. That would make the Padres, in my opinion, World Series favorites. With that lineup, adding Max Scherzer as a certified ace to your starting rotation. Scherzer actually pitched today for the Phillies, went si- uh, for the Phillies, against the Phillies, for the Nationals. Went six innings, gave out three hits and one run. Max Scherzer would make the Padres World Series favorites, in my opinion. Um, sources say that other teams are still trying to to top pod the Padres for Scherzer, the Nationals and Padres essentially have agreed on the players in the trade. The situation may be complicated by Scherzer's ability to veto any trade and effectively choose his next club. So what that means is the Padres and the Nationals have agreed on which players will be involved in the trade, but there are other teams like the Reds, like the Red Sox, like the Giants, like the Dodgers. Although the Dodgers just did make a move, we're going to talk about in a minute. There are other teams that are interested in Max Scherzer that are trying to top the Padres' offer. And if they do top that offer, see if Max Scherzer would veto would veto the trade to the Padres and maybe accept the trade to their franchise, if that makes sense. With that being said, though, it looks like the Cy Young Award winner, Max Scherzer, will be pitching for a new team come within the next couple of days. And right now, that team looks to be the San Diego Padres. The Dodgers were in on Max Scherzer, maybe took a step back, realizing their division rival Padres were going to get him. So the Dodgers acquired Danny Duffy from the Kansas City Royals, the left-handed starter. He's been a great under-the-radar pitcher for the last, I don't know, 10 years, ever since the Royals made the World Series. This season, Danny Duffy is having another Danny Duffy-type year. The Royals are still in a rebuild. They probably got some nice young prospects back for him. Yeah, Danny Duffy this season, trying to find his stats for you guys. There it is. Danny Duffy this season, he's 4-3 with a 2.51 ERA. In his career, he has a 3.95 ERA. He's going to do that for you. He's going to be right around. He's having his best ERA season since 2013 right now. But he's going to be a solid starting pitcher that you can even put in the bullpen if you need to. So that's a good move for the Dodgers. The Dodgers get Danny Duffy. They sure up that starting pitching with um, Trevor Bauer not being – with Trevor Bauer not um, dealing with off-the-field issues and that pending lawsuit that got pushed back to August 16th and through 19th and Trevor Bauer being on the commissioner's leave or – whatever, leave for breaking the law. And I don't know if he'll ever pitch again the MLB. So that's that. The Dodgers get Danny Duffy. The Padres are nearing a deal to get Max Scherzer. And before we continue talking about the MLB, we got uh, breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski. Breaking news from Adrian Wojnarowski. The 
Cleveland Cavaliers are acquiring Minnesota Timberwolves guard Ricky Rubio, a 2022 second-round pick, and cash for forward Torian Prince. So um, that's pretty interesting. The Cavs get Ricky Rubio, kind of their Delhi replacement, in my opinion. <laughs> He's a very similar player to Delhi. Uh, he'll be a good backup point guard to Darius Garland, I guess, and the Cavs have needed a backup point guard. So, honestly, I don't hate that move. Don't hate that move at all. But back to the MLB. that The Royals will be getting players to be named later from the Dodgers for Danny Duffy. The level of player is likely to depend on how soon Duffy returns from his strained flexor and how much he pitches for Los Angeles. So that is the latest in the MLB. Some other MLB trades. Nelson Cruz is on the Tampa Bay Rays. He got traded there last week after we recorded and is already hitting home runs for them. He's sitting about 297 with about 20 home runs this season. A good middle-of-the-order DH bat for the Tampa Bay Rays. The Rays are probably one of the better teams in the American League. They needed a bat, and they went out and got one. Even though Nelson Cruz is a pretty pretty old for a baseball player, the dude still is hitting bombs like there's no tomorrow. So that's what's going on around the MLB. I'm trying to think of any other big names. Oh, all-star right fielder, gold glover, Joey Gallo. Got traded to the New York Yankees, so Gallo will fit right into the middle of that lineup with a bunch of other dudes who strike out way too much, including Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. The Yankees look desperate, in my opinion. I don't know how truly in contention the Yankees are. They're kind of like the Indians right now. The Indians are are teetering on not being in contention. They're like right in the middle in that gray area. But the Yankees are not playing well. Garrett Cole has not been pitching well since the MLB started cracking down on foreign substances. The Yankees did trade for Joey Gallo. He'll help them a little bit when he doesn't strike out when he hits home runs. But we'll see what happens. But they do get another bat to add to the lineup. It will help them with Judge and Stanton missing some time. Other news in the MLB, some other guys that could be traded of the Cubs have a lot of guys that could be traded, including Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Craig Kimbrell. They're three-star players. The Cubs have already started making moves. They traded, I'm trying to, well, I'm trying to think of his name. It was a relief pitcher. They traded him to the White Sox. The White Sox have been busy today as well. Let's take, let's see who, let's see who that pitcher is Right now, the White Sox, White Sox, White Sox. Yes, the the Cubs traded reliever Ryan Tapera to the White Sox. Um, it's not a big move. It's a big move for the White Sox. The White Sox didn't need to make a huge splash. They needed they needed a bullpen player, and they addressed that said need by getting Ryan Tapera. They also got Cesar Hernandez. The Indians traded Cesar Hernandez, their second baseman, with 19 home runs to the Chicago White Sox, a division rival for a pitcher named Connor Connor Pillick? Connor Kalipic. I'm trying to think, find him. Let's see. I don't want to screw the guy's name up. I think he's going to be a good player. Let's see. Uh... <laughs> the Indians traded second baseman Cesar Hernandez to Connor Pilkington. Connor Pilkington, minor league left-handed pitcher. I don't hate the move for the Indians. You know, the Indians were never going to be a team that 
is going to win the World Series with the current pieces they have. I, and I think this move confirms that. I think this move confirms that the Indians know what they are this year. They're a fringe playoff wildcard team that isn't going to win the title. And that's why they did this. And that's why they made this move. And honestly, I think it's a good move for the Indians. I really do. And it, it, because this move wasn't about trading to a division rival. That's not what this move is about. No. This move is because the Indians need to see what young talent they have. It is for the moves to acquire some of the young infield talent they've gotten by trading the likes of Francisco Lindor, trading the likes of Carlos Carrasco, trading the likes of Mike Clevenger. Those infield prospects like Owen Miller, like Andreas Jimenez, like Tyler Freeman. It's a time for them to see those trades pay off. And give the organization a look, not into this year, into the future. The Indians are built for now and the future. They're a unique team in the MLB. A lot of MLB teams are either built for now or for the future. The Indians are in the unique position to be built for both. And that's why Cleveland made this move. Um, it sucks to see Cesar Hernandez go, a gold glove player who's hitting some a lot of home runs this year. But I think it's what had to be done. So... That's what's going on around the MLB. Let's see. I'm trying to see what any any other news. Yes, the Blue Jays acquired left-handed pitcher Brad Hand, former Cleveland baseball player, from the Nationals in exchange for catcher Riley Adams. The Brad Hand is a three-time All-Star, owns a career 3.65 ERA, and leads the MLB in saves this and saves last season with the Indians. So that is what. That is what the Blue Jays did. They uh, shored up a need. They got a closer. And that is what's going on right now. I'm trying to think anything else. Anything else. Scherzer to San Diego is kind of the last big name. White Sox, Cesar Hernandez. Yeah, so those are the big trades in the MLB. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. We will, of course, update update the more trades as they happen. So back to the MLB before we get to the Olympics and the NFL training camp and other news. Um, the Cleveland baseball team, the Cleveland Indians, announced that they are going to change their name starting in 2022 to the Cleveland Guardians. So I'm going to start calling them the Cleveland Guardians just so I can get used to it. But Indians no more. Cleveland's baseball team next season will be the Guardians. They unle- they unveiled the name in a video by Tom Hanks, and they also had the- they had Tom Hanks in the video. I'm trying to think what else they had, and then they also unveiled the logos and the jerseys, and they had a big press conference and everything. So obviously. A lot of Cleveland fans are upset about this. Some Cleveland fans love it. I'm kind of indifferent about it. I like the name change. I don't like the new logos, but I think the name had to be changed. It was time to change the name. And Guardians isn't the worst option, so I think it's a win. Um, obviously, it's pe- the name Guardians pays homage to the Guardians of Traffic statues right on the bridge, right beside Progressive Field. So that's what... And the new era of Cleveland baseball will be the Cleveland Guardians. I like it. They kept the same colored scheme. They only changed about four letters. <laughs> but the Guardians pays homage to Cleveland. It's local. It's They did it the right way. They announced the name change the right way. They took 
they took input from fans on the name change. So I'm I'm all in as and this is the this is the most important thing. Um Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Spiders, Cleveland Guardians. As long as the baseball team has the name Cleveland in front of it, that is the more important part of the name. That is the more most important part of the name. The Cleveland Guardians, it's great. It 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 sits well with with Clevelanders. It's um pays homage to a local landmark, an iconic landmark in the city of Cleveland, and it's it's a good name, and the Cleveland Guardians are here to stay. Hopefully, they change that logo. I think they rushed the logo a little bit, but at the end of the day, Cleveland will be the Guardians next season and beyond. So I like the name change, and I hopefully, uh, as long as Cleveland Guardians have a World Series championship next to their name in a couple of years, that's all that, that should matter. All right, let's get to some Olympic talk. The Olympics are in full swing. The first week from Tokyo is happening right now. And probably the biggest story is not about who is competing. It's about who's not competing. And that, of course, is probably the greatest gymnast of all time, American Simone Biles. She competed in the team qualifying event for the gymnastics competition and tried to compete in the all in the team final, but she withdrew, withdrew because of mental health and she was concerned for her mental health. She was concerned about getting hurt. She was unsure of herself on her first flip. She wanted to do two and a half spins. She only did one and a half spins, and she was afraid she was going to get hurt. And at the end of the day, Simone Biles did not compete. The United States won silver as a team in the gymnastics event, and Simone Biles also withdrew from today's individual all-around finals as well. There's some people who are attacking Simone Biles, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, she's a human being just like the rest of us. And I'm sure if you ask a lot of people, if I ask you guys who's taken a day off because of mental health reasons, a lot of you would say that you have. And this shouldn't be any different. I know it's on a larger scale. It's at the Olympics. She's the greatest gymnast in the world. A lot of us waited four years to see her again. She's probably the most popular athlete at the Olympics this go around in Tokyo and to see her not out there competing kind of sucks, but it's also a reminder that they are people too. They're, they're more than just athletes. They have a lot of pressure on them. Simone Biles went out and said after that she, after she did not compete, she said she felt like she had the weight of the world. She, she felt like she had the weight of the world on her shoulders and She's felt that she wasn't more than her accomplishments and her gymnastics and she needed to take a step back and she did take that step back and I applaud her for that. But I also applaud the people that stepped up in her absence for Team USA to get them that silver medal, including Suni Lee, Jade Carey, and all the other gymnasts on Team USA. I want to shout them all out by name because they've done an incredible job stepping up in Simone Biles' absence. Let's see if we can find... Who they are. Suni Lee, who won the gold medal today in the women's all-around final. Congratulations to her. She's 18. She becomes the first person of Asian descent to win the Olympic gold in the women's all-around gymnastics final and continues the legacy for the United States with um, Simone Biles winning in 2016, Gabby Douglas winning in 2012, Nasia Lukin winning in 2008, dating back all the way to 2004 
is the last was was when this streak started for the United States winning the individual all-around gold medal and Suni Lee 18 years old she rose to the occasion she brings home her first Olympic gold medal she went back and forth with Brazil's Rebecca Andrade throughout the competition but she pulled ahead after the balance beam and never looked back. She's the fifth consecutive American gymnast to win gold in this event, as I mentioned. She will compete next week in the uneven bars event finals. But the question now turns for the U.S. is whether Biles will compete in any of the four individual events she qualified for. So, the and the and that's what what's going on. But Suni Lee stepped up. She won the gold medal. Jade Carey stepped up. She is also on the team. She competed in the all around final today. And the other, the other, the other teammates include Jordan Childs. Uh, they're close. She's a close friend of Biles. She finished third at the Olympic trials, and she did a great job in the team. Final getting the silver medal. Grace McCollum, 18 years old from Minnesota. She's fourth in the four-person group competing on the team. Her specialty is the beam, and she won the bronze at the U.S. National Championships. And the last gymnast who stepped up in Biles' absence is Michaela Skinner from Gilbert, Arizona. She's one of two members competing as a specialist, rather in the team events. She's familiar with the game. She was an alternate in the 2016 Olympics. She is, and she's, she's done a great job at the Olympics as well. So shout out to Simone Biles for prioritizing her mental health and shout out for her teammates for not letting that adversity of adversity affect them and, stepping up to the plate and still bringing home a silver medal and for Suni Lee for bringing home that individual gold medal medal for herself. Another big star in this Olympic Olympics is Katie Ledecky, probably the greatest female swimmer of all time. I've had the pleasure of watching her the last couple of days. She's done a great job in this Olympics so far. She won gold in the women's 1500 meter freestyle, the first time the 1500 meter freestyle has ever been an event at the Olympics, and she won by like a full three seconds on everybody else. She had an outstanding race yesterday in the 4x200 meter freestyle relay. She was the closer for the United States, and the United States before the uh, Ledecky swam looked like they were going to finish in maybe third or fourth, and Ledecky brought them back to a silver, and if that race went about another five meters, Ledecky would have brought home the gold for Team USA. She also finished second behind Ariane Ariana Titmus from Australia in the women's 400 meter freestyle. So that's another silver. And she finished fifth in, in another race. But Ledecky, so far this Olympics, has swam 5,400 meters. And she's got more events on the way as well. And she keeps on doing it. She's won six Olympic gold medals and 15. 15 world championship gold medals, the most in history. And she's already won three medals in this Olympic with much more on the way. She's done a great job. And her next race, let's see when her next race is. Today, she won the women's 800-meter freestyle heat. And I think that final is tomorrow night at 9.46 p.m. So that, and the women's 4x200 no, that, that one already happened. So her next event to, is tomorrow, women's 800-meter freestyle at 9.46 p.m. approximately. Another big star for the USA is Caleb Dressel. 
Um, he is the next big thing for the men's the men's um, swimming side for the United States. He earned his first individual Olympic gold medal after a close finish in the 100-meter freestyle at 47.02 seconds, which was an Olympic record. Uh, after during the interview, after the interview, after he won, he had an interview. He said, "Right now, I'm just kind of hurt. It's been a really tough year. It's really hard to have the results show up. I am happy." And it was a really emotional interview and a really emotional race. And he barely won it, but he did win it. And right now, Caleb Dressel is his time is now. He is a new Michael Phelps, if you will. He is going to be really fun to watch throughout these Olympics. Um, and his next event is the 100-meter butterfly, which he has the world record in. He's a heavy gold medal favorite, and that, that will take place tomorrow as well. Another United States swimmer making their mark is Robert Fink. The first ever Olympics men's 800-meter freestyle event will be remembered for a long time as United States' Bobby Fink, who was not in the top three in the final turn, sprinted the last 25 meters to take home the gold. The first American man to win a distance freestyle gold since 19. 84 and he was it, he was great it was a very entertaining race I was like I was like wow uh he he could get a bronze but then that last 25 meters I was like oh man he's going for the gold and he did get the gold and he, yet another another gold medal for U.S. swimming and U.S. swimming is fantastic they're doing fantastic at at this Olympics and it's one of the strongest obviously with Michael Phelps, but it's one of the strongest events year in and year out for the United States. But I feel like this year, especially it's been fun to watch and perhaps the best feel good story so far of the Olympics, Lydia Jacoby, the 17 year old from Alaska. There is one Olympic sized pool in Alaska, one Olympic sized pool in Alaska. And during the women's 100 meter breaststroke, 17-year-old Lydia Jacoby from Alaska took home gold, upsetting the world record holder and her teammate Lily King for the gold medal. And the best thing that I've seen from the Olympics so far was the whole town, uh, the whole small town from where she's from in Alaska, get, gathering together to watch her swim and them going absolutely crazy, jumping up and down when she won the gold medal. That was really really something to see and it was the swim of her life and she won the gold medal so those are some of the swimming stars that have stood out to me I obviously already talked about gymnastics but let's talk about another two teams that the United States has constantly relied on in the Olympics for gold medals and who are heavy gold medal favorites this year that have not really started off to the standards that they wanted to first we'll talk about the men's basketball team and then we'll talk about the women's soccer team. So the men's basketball team, led by NBA superstars Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, just to name a few. They lost their first game to France. Eight, I'm trying to think what the score was of that game. They lost by about three. France-USA basketball. I watched a little bit of this game. I watched more of the second USA game. Because if they lost that second game, they probably would have been knocked out. But yeah, France beat USA 83 to 76, ending the United States men's basketball team's 25 game Olympic win streak. Um, 
the USA was up by seven with three minutes left, but France went on a 16-2 run to end the game, and the United States went ice cold from three with one possession with under 50 seconds left. The team was down by two. Durant missed a three. Drew Holiday missed a wide-open three, and someone else missed a wide-open three as well. Three missed wide-open threes, and the worst part about that possession was that France had one player that was on the ground the whole time. But France beat them, but the United States responded in a big way against Iran. And the team's going to have to win out from here to win to win gold, and they, they should. They, I think they're still the favorites to win the gold medal. I've put out a poll on our Instagram story, at Jote Sports Pod, and 50% of you said they were going to win the gold. 50% of you said they weren't going to medal. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. But the Team USA looks like Team USA. On Wednesday against Iran, they won their earned their first pre- preliminary victory of the Tokyo Olympics by a score of 120 to 66. Damian Lillard was on fire. He hit six of his 11 attempts from three point range. He had 18 points through the, for the game's first 20 minutes. He finished seven of 15 from the field for 21 points, two rebounds, and five assists. When Damian Lillard can shoot like this, there's no team in the world that can beat the United States. But Kevin Durant also is another big player for the United States team. Against Iran, he was he he had 10 points. He is five shy of passing Carmelo Anthony for the all-time scorer in men's basketball US men's basketball all-time Olympic scoring record. The US men's next game will be against the Czech Republic Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. And I think the United States will win that and advance into the knockout round. But still, uncharacteristic loss to start out. But it looks like as the team plays more together, they are gaining confidence, starting to knock down shots. And they're the, the thing that, that they are doing the best, and it's Greg Popovich, so I expected this, is they're moving the basketball. The reason they beat Iran so much, besides the talent gap, is that they were moving the basketball and waiting for the best shot available, waiting for the open shot, not just jacking up a three contested. They are waiting for the open three, and that's why they did so well. There are some teams to worry about for the United States. Obviously, France, they've got two NBA stars in Evan Fournier and Rudy Gobert, and Slovenia, Luka Doncic, obviously I think is the best player in in these Olympics because he has played so much internationally. Um... Luka Doncic, he scored 48 points in Slovenia's opening win against Argentina. Last night against, I believe it was Japan, that he scored 25 points, had five rebounds, and had seven assists. So Luka is is another guy to worry about. It's not going to be a cakewalk to the, goal, to the gold like maybe it was in 1992 with the Dream Team or with the Redeem Team in 2008. But I still think the United States men's basketball team should win the gold. The U.S. women's soccer team is the other team I was talking about. They lost their first game to France. I believe we might have talked about this last week. We talked about them losing their first game. I think I think we did talk about this a little bit last week. But they did bounce back. They won their second game against... I'm trying to think who it, would, who it was against. Um... They tied Australia 0-0. Zero to zero. They won against New Zealand. So they went 1-1-1... One, one in the qualifying rounds. They advanced to the quarterfinal. They will play the Netherlands tomorrow at 7 a.m. They obviously still have their stars, Megan Rapino, uh, Julie Ertz, Alex Morgan, Becky Sauerbarn. 
Sourburn, Sourbrun, excuse me, Alyssa Naher. They've got a lot of stars on this team. They should be the gold medal favorites. They probably still will win the gold. It was an uncharacteristic loss against Sweden, but I love the U.S. women's soccer team. They're so fun to watch. They're the best team in the world. They've won the last two World Cups. They've won countless gold medals. They have countless accolades, so many star players, and I'm just excited to watch how they bounce back. They're going to bounce back. They still have their Olympic dreams. They've looked lethargic in the first three games, though. How can they bounce back? Well, they they just got to relax. Megan Rapinoe said after the game when they lost, we just got to relax and we'll be good. And that's what they got to do. They, they might be tight. It's the Olympics. They found a groove in their must-win game against New Zealand, though. They won 6-1. to one. They drew 0-0. They drew to zero. The concerning thing for the U.S. is not that they lost. It's that they didn't even score in two of the three games. They thrive on inspiration, though, this team, both on and off the field. They're going to they're gonna be okay. Their performance so far is surprising, but their body language, their play on the field is going to improve. And I just think the U.S. should be the favorites to win gold. Um, it was obviously the qualifying games. They're out of the qualifying games, so now they can treat this like a whole new season. A whole new season. A whole new opportunity. The qualifying games, what happened in the past, it's over. It's done. But right now, right now is what is what they're playing for. So the U.S. women's team, their next game is against the Netherlands. And so far, an update at the medal count for this Olympics. And then we can talk a little bit about NFL training camp before we go our separate ways. The U.S. leads in total medals right now with 38 medals. And China and Japan are first in gold medals with 15. The United States close behind with 14 gold medals. But this Olympics has been so fun to watch because... I mean, it's something that you don't realize you miss until you don't have it for a year. Like, we didn't have it in 2020. These are technically still the 2020 Olympics. But there are so many great athletes in so many different sports. So many new sports like skateboarding. They added baseball back to the Olympics. There were 13... The the winners for the gold medal in women's skateboardings were, were 13, 13, and 16. That's remarkable. And I feel like stories like that and the great stories we are getting out of these Olympics, these great sports stories, sometimes only happen at the Olympics. And it's just incredible to see right now. And I, I hope you guys are enjoying the Olympics as much as I have. Um, real quick, next week, the Olympics will continue, obviously. But we will not have an episode next week because I will be on vacation. So uh, I'm going to be enjoying my vacation. I'm sorry you guys won't get another episode but, uh, but after that, we'll get a big, big episode, probably an hour-long episode once again, recapping the Olympics, the MLB trade deadline, all the stuff we miss while I'm on vacation. I'll recap in a, in a two-for episode, which is recapping two weeks of sports. That will be dropping not next week, but the week after. So that's just wanted to update you guys on that. That's when the Olympics will continue. And NFL training camp is in full swing. All 32 of the NFL teams are back in action. Um, and probably the biggest storyline that has been lingering all offseason is Aaron Rodgers. The saga is over. 
Aaron Rodgers reported to training camp and returned to the Green Bay Packers, but he did kind of speak his mind and he reworked his contract so that he can be let go after this upcoming season. So that is some big news. Aaron Rodgers went off at his introductory press conference yesterday for training camp saying um, stuff like the Packers don't cue, don't cue him in on important organizational organizational decisions like who they're going to draft like who are they trading for like who they're signing and he basically said look people don't come here because green bay is a good vacation spot they come here to play with me so i think i should be more involved in the organizational happenings and i agree with him because he is the best one of the best quarterbacks in the league he's that league mvp he's the reason why the packers have been title contenders year in and year out and at times especially with the jordan love drafting a couple years ago it seems like the packers have not cued him in when they're making a thing that could greatly impact their organization and i think that needs to change and that's part of the reason why i don't see rogers in a green bay uniform beyond this season some other news, Dak Prescott back in pads for the Cowboys. He is a full-going camp. At, he's a, come, a comeback player of the year candidate, as is Odell Beckham Jr. for the Cleveland Browns. Beckham did not get placed on the pup list following his torn ACL, which means he is full-go in training camp. He's looked good from what I saw, as has Baker Mayfield, and it's... It's great. It's it's great news that Odell Beckham Jr. is back because he can be a difference maker for this Browns team. They needed him in Kansas City last year. They needed him. And and now they're going to have him and hopefully he stays healthy throughout the season. I'm excited to see what Odell can do in a full year under Kevin Stefanski. So that's what's going on around the NFL. The Hall of Fame game is one week one Nine days or seven days away, I think it's August 4th, so about one week away from the Hall of Fame game, which means football is right around the corner. Before we go, some college football news to update you on. We talked about it a little bit last week. Oklahoma and Texas officially are leaving the Big 12 when their contract with the conference expires in 2025, and they have reached out about joining the SEC. So we are about to see some seismic changes to the college football landscape and to the sporting landscape in college football. Um, I think they're going to be super conferences, and Oklahoma and Texas are the first two dominoes toward that happening. So that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. A lot of sports news will be breaking after this is recorded, so I apologize if I, that I don't get it all in. But follow us on Instagram at JoteSportsPod. I will try to update you guys on the biggest sports news that happens while I'm on vacation. And, of course, I will record an episode not next week but the week after which will recap everything that happens in the world of sports. I'm taking a week off. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoy your weeks and you guys have a great time and do something fun, do something nice for somebody, but that's going to do it for this week's episode. Be sure to follow the, ins- uh, follow the podcast on Instagram at Jote sports pod will be a big place of updates while I'm on vacation. 
And obviously, it's just for fun sports content, too, and for episode promotions, episode highlights, and much, much more. It's a must-follow on Instagram. Be sure to rate the podcast five stars and leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Follow the podcast on Spotify, download the episodes, support the podcast on Anchor, and much, much more. Just I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I will be back here in two weeks on the mic. But until then, I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.